good. All right, you can give him the mic. All right. <laughs> so, how many of you had a real easy day? Anybody? Nobody had an easy day? Come on, somebody here. You'll see you had an easy day. Well, about noon today, I, um, I came over to the rock to set up my pottery because I bring pottery every time I come and, and the display with the, we have sponsor cards for the kids. So if you want to sponsor a kid, we've got these cards, pictures of the kids and uh, more literature there. And uh, if you sponsor a kid, you get a free bowl tonight that says hope. And, uh, and I walked in the church and I looked at the boxes because I ship stuff. Everybody knows I'm coming because these big boxes come in FedEx, from FedEx. And there they are sitting there and I look at them and I go, where's the potter's wheels box? And I just went, oh no. I had to switch my car out yesterday and in Denver to another rental car and I left the potter's wheel in the trunk of the car that I left at Thrifty. And this is about 1 o'clock in the afternoon. I feel partly responsible for this because on Tuesday morning I came down to prayer early. We had prayer. I wasn't going to rat you out, I JR. Know. No, I know. Anyway, I forgot that they were parked behind me and I smashed in, I backed into his car, smashing my car and his car. So I'm partly responsible for the fact that he left the wheel. No, I'm not fully. I'm partly. <laughs> How many of you know that the devil attacks you through your closest friends? Anyway, I don't know how much the devil had to do with it other than my attitude. And, uh, but let's, uh, Mike Spray drove all the way. I had a meeting with somebody, and so Mike Spray drove all the way to Denver, found the rental agency, went in, they talked about it, looked at my contract, said, yeah, and, we, and then they couldn't find the car. Well, like, you can't find the car. You got the license plate, like, they parked it on some other lot, so who knows where my potter's wheel is. Anyway, I had been up to the community center here at the, at the recreational center and gotten some clay up there, and the lady up there knows me because I go by every year and uh, get clay. She goes, I know you. You're the guy that wants clay. And so I ran back there, and I said, you have some potter's wheels I can borrow. Well, they have like 15 potter's wheels but they couldn't let me use one because they belonged to the community center. But the two of the ladies there that were in the little pottery class they were having, both offered, so this is one of their, one of the potter's wheels. So her name is, what was it? Rhonda, right? Something like that. Anyway, pray for this lady. <laughs> and... Uh, and, and thank God for her, because this actually works. That was the first thing I did when I got here, is I checked it to make sure it worked. Because I have showed up places before with my potter's wheel, and it hasn't worked, which is always fun. So there's always, when you depend on equipment for your, whatever you're going to do, there's always something that can go wrong. And so I have many stories. We won't get into all of them. And uh, let's, let's start at the end of the story. In Second uh, Timothy 2:20, I usually end with this scripture, but um, as I've been praying about um, what to share, I'm going to sh- we're going to talk about vessels of honor. Now, the Second Timothy 
2.20 says this. It says, in a large house there are many articles, not only of gold and silver. Oh, let me read it out of the authorized version here <laughs> on my phone. And Second um, Timothy. Oh, come on. Don't turn that way. All right. And it says... Now, in a large house, there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and clay, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified, holy, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now, just a little commentary on vessels of honor and vessels of dishonor. Um, each of us daily sit on a vessel of dishonor. It's made out of clay. It's called the toilet. Are your toilets made out of clay? They are because you're not in prison. The ones in prison are made out of stainless steel. And, uh, but vessels of dishonor, that's what he's talking about here because that's what they used in chamber pots because they didn't have toilets back then. That's what he's talking about. We're talking about vessels of dishonor. They were made out of clay. And there's a place outside of Jerusalem one of the gates is called the Dung Gate in Jerusalem. It's on the south side. It's also called the Potsherd Gate. It was another name for it. And they used to take the human refuse every day, and they'd go and they'd throw it over the cliff into the valley, into the Valley of Hinnom. And I have a whole series on the Valley of Hinnom that we won't go into tonight. One time I took a group of discipleship training school students in YWAM. We went down to the Valley of Hinnom. And I lectured at the Dungate about the whole thing there. It was pretty exciting. And, uh, but you had to watch where you were stepping. <laughs> and uh, so there's just a lot of history to this. But what's a vessel of honor? A vessel of honor would be your fine china. It's the stuff that you don't bring out for every day. It's the stuff that's special. In fact, in the NIV it says for special purposes. But vessel of honor is really... Um, a descriptive term. And I was thinking about this, um, and I looked it up in Romans. You know that passage in Romans 9 where, where the potter is arguing with God? I mean, the pot's arguing with the potter. In Romans 9.21, it says, Why did you make me like this? Does not the potter have the right to make out of the same lump of clay some pottery for honorable use and some for dishonorable use? I had never seen that before tonight, honestly, and I've read all of these scriptures a whole lot, but I never saw the fact that they were the, the two scriptures are actually related to each other, and, you know, Paul wrote both of them. And so this theme of vessels of honor. So what's it take to become a vessel of honor? Because the, the um, it goes on in 2 Timothy, it says, useful to the master, prepared to do any good work. Now, clay, <laughs> like this, comes from a clay store. <laughs> from, this one's from Laguna Clay, clay Company. And, uh, oh, by the way, all of my tools are at my, with my potter's wheel. And my apron. This shirt's dirty anyway. I've been wearing it for about a week. And uh, so... Don't get too close. And, uh, but 
one of the guys. What's the guy's name that helps out here all day? He ran around and found found me stuff. He's a young guy. Uh, wonderful guy. He earned himself a free mug today. And uh, But clay didn't always come from clay stores, did it? No, it didn't. In fact, the potter's field is just outside of Jerusalem. And um, there must have been at some point in history good clay there because the potters never would have set up shop someplace where there wasn't clay because 500 B.C. and even during the time of Jesus, there were no semi-rigs to haul clay from California up to Colorado for people to set by. See, so everybody, you know, and so donkeys is a really lousy way to haul tons of clay around. And so they must have had clay there. And when you get the clay and it comes out of the ground, there's two types of clay, basically, in this world today. There's primary deposits of clay, which are brought down by glaciation and crushing, or maybe the flood, who knows, there's a lot of debate about this, but anyway, they're deposits and they're pure clay. It's white clay, has very few um, impurities in it, and it's what you make porcelain out of. And that clay is pure and white. And then what happens is the rain comes and the rivers flow through and they, you get secondary deposits of clay in riverbanks and stuff. And that's mostly the red and gray and yellow and blue clays that you see. All that clay in Georgia, that's all secondary clay, all that red clay. And um, that clay, it gets a lot of impurities in it. So depending on what kind of pottery you want to make. And next year, I'll have been making pottery for half a century, 50 years. I don't look that old because I started when I was just nine months old. And, uh, and so um, the clay, to get prepared, I have about three days that I do a teaching on this. And there's, you, you've got to... To go, first of all, you've got to find it. And it was that scripture that says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field that a man found and hid. And from joy over it, went and sold all that he had and bought that field. See, a lot of you, when you see this, don't go, wow, gold. You just don't. You really don't. But when I buy a big pile of clay. I buy it by the ton. I look at it and I go, money. See, that's what I think about it. It's like I'm not, one, years ago my daughter was watching me, my daughter who's about 40 today and is a, an artist of, in her own right in textile. She's got her degree in textile design and fabrication. She's watching me work on the wheel one evening about 9 o'clock at night. And I'm in there working and she says, Dad, what, what part of making pottery do you like the most? And I said, she says, do you, do you like the, the, the working on the wheel or do you like, you know, painting it or firing it? What do you like the most? I go, oh, that's, that's really easy. I said, let me tell you the part I like. I like the part when I hand the people the pottery and they hand me the money. <laughs> she goes, oh. She was like 16, you know. She just didn't get it. And, uh, but, see, to the potter, 
the clay is gold. It's a way you can make a living. I, this, is, this has got 25 pounds of clay. So I can make 25 mugs. This costs $14. Used to cost less. But this $14 bag of clay, I can take and make $1,200 of mugs out of this one bag. See, that's, 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 that's a pretty good exchange, see. Now, you've got to learn how to do that. That takes about 40 years. But <laughs> it's, um, if I fall over, will somebody pick me up? Once, one service we did, the whole table went out right in the middle of everything. It was exciting. And, um, but the clay is valuable to the potter. And that man that found that treasure hidden in the field, that was Jesus. And you are the treasure. Say, here you are. <laughs> That's SpongeBob Squarehead or whatever they call him. So I look in the, every morning I look in the mirror and I look more and more like this lump of clay. I had long hair too. And, uh, but, and when God looks at us, here we are, you know, he doesn't just see a lump of clay. He doesn't see this, you know, ugly piece of clay. What he looks at, he looks at it, and it's as if he was looking in a mirror, and he sees himself. He really does, because we are made in his image. And when God looks at you, he sees all that he can be in you and through you. And uh, that's just amazing. And he has such a, a profound love with the clay. I love the clay. In fact, somebody wrote an article about me once called For the Love of Clay. And, uh, and it wasn't about the money. And uh, as God works, and the trouble is, getting this prepared to work on the wheel means it's got to be dug up out of the ground. It's got to be ground up. And there's a device that they use in Japan to do this grinding where they got a big, like, stone altar that's sort of dipped like this. And they take the dry, hard clay and they put it on this. And they've got this, this, um, this thing on like a teeter-totter. It's on a, on a fulcrum. And it's got a big pot of water on that end. And it fills up and then it dumps out. And this big rock comes down and falls onto the, onto the clay and starts crushing it. And it's got, a, it's got water running into it. And it just keeps going like that. And it crushes the clay. And it crushes the clay over and over and over again until it's just a powder. And then the potter takes it and he puts it in a sifter and he sifts the stuff out of it. And as God begins to break us and exposes the impurities in our heart, we have an opportunity to do something great. We get to repent. And we often don't know that we need to repent because we can't see all of those impurities that are hidden inside of us. But as God begins to break us open and the light of God's word comes into our life, we begin to see the sin for what it is, the selfishness. I was cleaning a toilet in Afghanistan before I got saved. And um, Suzanne had hepatitis, and I was up 
doing all the things that I had to do to take care of her. And uh, she wasn't going anywhere. She had seen a whole trailer load of camel heads the day before, and she was in shock. You ever seen a trailer load of camel heads? You would be in shock, too. It's like, it was a National Geographic moment, and I didn't have a camera. And uh, I'm cleaning this toilet. And as I'm cleaning this toilet, which is a really good thing to do, you know, if, especially if you're a Hindu and you're working your way to heaven, you know, with karma yoga and all that. And uh, they've got a whole kind of yoga called karma yoga, work yoga. And you can work your way to heaven by doing good things. And you can get erase all that bad karma in your life from all those past lifetimes by doing good things. And there's nobody in this room that thinks cleaning a toilet isn't a good thing, right? How many of you clean toilets? I have cleaned many, many toilets. And it is always a good thing, even though it doesn't smell like it. And as I was cleaning this toilet, God spoke to me. He said, John... You are selfish. Now, I was cleaning a toilet. That's a crazy time to say to somebody that you are being selfish. And when he said it to me, I don't know if you've ever had God speak to you like that, but it was convincing. And I looked at my heart and my life in every direction I could see, and all I saw was selfishness. In fact, I realized that I was cleaning the toilet for selfish purposes because I was trying to earn my way to heaven by doing something good. I wasn't doing it out of the goodness of my heart. I was doing it for me. And I went, wow, you're right. And I finished cleaning the toilet. And I just thought, okay, so I'm selfish. And that was one of the steps that God did in breaking me open to see who I was. And the sifting takes place and as you're sifting the stuff the clay falls through and all the little impurities that didn't get tossed away when the potter was breaking up the clay come to the surface and the devil's the one you know sifting us remember what um, Jesus said to Peter about the devil sifting him like wheat well that's what he, God does he sifts us he, only he lets the devil shake the box and the devil goes oh look at that sin <coughs> and and what we need to remember is that when the devil goes, you were thinking bad thoughts. You go, you are right. I was. Lord, forgive me. Thank you, Satan, for pointing that out to me. He'll stop pointing things out to you. And then the potter takes and he adds water to this. And without water, the clay is just dust and all of our lives are just like dust without the water of the Holy Spirit and God wants to pour the water of his spirit into our lives so that we can become clay that's moldable and usable and fit for making something useful out of but that's not the whole thing then the potter takes and he begins to to work it <laughs> Somebody watch and see if this starts to roll off. And he begins to wedge it like this. This is called wedging. To get all of the parts of it consistent. And you do this for hours. There was a group of potters from Japan came over to UCLA, one of the most famous potters. 
his name is Soji Hamada, and he brought a team over, and they were asked to do a demonstration, and they came two weeks early so they could prepare the clay. And they said, oh, no, 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 no. You don't have to prepare the, prepare the clay. We get it from Westwood Ceramics, and it comes in these bags, and it's ready to use. We're going to take you guys to Disneyland. And so they did, and they came back, and they did the workshop, and guess what? All the pots that they made cracked. And they said, aha, uh -huh. it's because we didn't prepare the clay. So they crushed it all up, and they worked it for days to get it ready just the way they wanted it. And then they made the pots, and they didn't crack. But even more than that, the clay, once it's, once it's, it's, it's um, they tread it with their feet, they put it away, not for like a week or two weeks, but for years for the clay to develop the quality of plasticity. Because clay is made up of all these little sort of broken platelets. And when the bacteria grows in the clay, like it does in cheese or wine, it straightens out these platelets so that the clay, um, when you stretch it, it, you can see, I don't know if you, well, I don't know if we got a camera on me. Nope. You can see all these little tiny breaks. But if you don't age it, there'll be big breaks and it'll crack. It's called short. And so the clay needs to lose its shortness and the aging process has it does it. Now think about Moses, 40 years in the wilderness, in the, in the desert before he even went to set the people free. And then another 40 years, Joseph in prison for 24 years, Paul for eight years off studying God's word. There are times when God takes you out of ministry and puts you in a place where you are to learn of him and just grow in Jesus. And those times, they can't be replaced by effort or work. There's times where God takes us and takes us out and gives us times to, to wait on him. And then, when we're ready for the wheel is when God puts us on the wheel. So Yeah, that's a good idea. So it's the first time I've made a pot on this potter's wheel. Let's see if it works. So the first thing the potter does when he gets the clay on the wheel is he centers the clay. And uh, this took me two years to learn how to do. I've decided I'm a persistent fellow. I can teach somebody to do this in much less time. Well, maybe. And the clay needs to be centered all the way through it, not just on the surface. And if the clay isn't in the center, the pot's going to wobble and be out of balance. So, there we go. I'm finished, right? No? Why? What, is that a pot? Why isn't it a pot? Young lady over there, why? What's wrong with it? Why isn't it a pot? 
doesn't have a hole in the middle of it, right? That's because it's full of itself. <laughs> yeah, I know all about that one. So, what do we need to do? I um, Recently, a friend of mine was posting on Facebook, which I rarely read, much, and uh, she said, we speak this Christianese. We say, we're in Jesus, and we were slain in the Spirit, all these prepositions that we use. But I use prepositions too, because when we talk about Jesus being Lord, and you ask somebody, is Jesus Lord of your life? Ever done that? And uh, people have no idea what you're talking about most of the time. But the answer for everybody in the world is yes. He is definitely Lord over my life. It doesn't matter who you are. Jesus is Lord over your life because he bought you with price. He made you in the first place. And so he is Lord over you. You belong to him. You are his property. But for Christ to be Lord in your life, you've got to have a, a voluntary agreement. You've got to say yes when he says, um, when he knocks at the door. He says, if I knock at the door, I'll come in to you and we can sup together. But we've got to ask him. He's not just going to force his way into our life. And so he pushes in the very center. And that's our hearts. God really wants control of who we are, what we think about, what we dream about, all of the different parts. And it starts in our hearts. And so tonight, as I do this, I just want to take a minute and just ask us all to close our eyes and say, Lord Jesus, what are the things at the center of my life? Maybe my cell phone. <laughs> my favorite TV show, my boyfriend, my girlfriend. What are those things that I love so much that they're crowding you out of the center of my life? Let's just wait a minute. See if God speaks to any of you. Now, as God is speaking to us, he's wanting to say to us, John, J.R., Suzanne, Mike, Yvonne, all of us, I just want to be so much inside of you. I want to take those things that are in your heart, and I want to push them into their right spot. But I want to be the one that's in the center. And so God does that. He begins to uh, push us, and he begins to raise us up. Because now, God isn't just on the outside. He's on the inside, too. And this is the, you know, you say, well, is he a Christian? Or, you know, what does it mean to be a Christian? And we got all these doctrinal things we got to agree with, you know, and I go to this men's Bible study, and we've got it down to five things. I can't even remember what they are. That you have to believe if you're going to be a real Christian. <laughs> well, you know what? who real Christians are? That's the ones with Jesus in them. 
And it may be that they just asked Jesus in, and they have no idea what to believe. You know, so they're not going to agree with all of those things, you know, born of a virgin, died on the cross, rose on the third day, all that stuff, that, all those creeds, see. The only thing that makes somebody a born-again believer is that Jesus is inside of them. He's hard to, to, to get out once he gets in there. He's going to stick around. And as we, because we left JR's house that night, the next morning we got up and we prayed with them and we said, did I really say you're going to bear much fruit? That's amazing. And because uh, he has, huh? That's amazing. So I know I'm a prophet too. <laughs> but he said, well, what do we do? I said, well, you pray and ask God what to do. And he ended up at a good church and got discipled. And then he went to Princeton of all places. But what can we say about that? So, <laughs> But God, when he's on the inside, no matter what the pressures are. And I don't know about you, but I've been under a lot of pressure over the last few years. And uh, I constantly remind myself that God is bigger than my problems. He's bigger than my needs. He's bigger than my job. He's bigger than anything that I can think of. And I just need to let him be in control. And as I do that, the pressure that comes into my life, instead of destroying me, actually causes me to grow. And the amazing thing about when God puts pressure on our lives, <laughs> oh, this clay is so much better than clay in Africa. It's just crazy. Every time I come back to the States, I go, oh, clay. I mean, I can use the stuff we've got there, but it has all sorts of deficiencies. But you see, you can see my finger marks, my, the marks my fingers or my knuckles leave on this. And, you know, it's, you let God work in your life. And every day you get up and you pray, Lord, and you ask God for the fear of God in your life. You don't do something really stupid like leave your potter's wheel in the trunk of the car or things like that, you know, or yell at your wife, which I'm assuming none of you guys have done, or ignore when she needs to, you know, or you just don't listen. You know, whatever those stupid things are that we do. And, uh, and you go out into the world and God is working in your life and people can see it. People can see it, that God is at work in your life. They can, you don't have to tell them. You can. But nowadays, it's better for them to see it and to see evidence of God's grace, for them to see the fruit of the Spirit in your life, and then they're going to ask you, why didn't you hit that guy when he swore at you? Or why didn't you... Speak back and defend yourself. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? And then you have an opportunity to say, well, you know, I didn't think it was the right thing to do. Well, why? And then they keep asking, and you can tell them. Well, God has shown me how to live. I believe in 
living in the right way. I don't want to be selfish. I don't want to, you know, you know that scripture says that, you know, the bless your enemies and if they, you know, you're going to pour burning coals on their head, right? You know what that means? It means if your neighbor's fire's gone out and they come over with an empty pot, they're going to put it on their head and they're going to put the coals on, on, on their head so you can go home and start your fire. Not heaping condemnation on them, you're helping them out. See, that's the context of that. You're just going to bless them instead of cursing them. You know that whole thing in the, in, in the Beatitudes, you know, and, and in the Sermon on the Mount. Bless those that curse you. Bless those that persecute you. You just go, really? But it's true. And as we trust God for the grace to do that, people will see it. And it may be the only thing other than flushing the devil down the toilet, which was I did at your house. I just didn't go in and bind the devil. I flushed him down the toilet, right through the zendo. (laughs) (laughs) That God will begin to expand your ministry. You won't have to do it. He'll do it for you. And then you'll go, oh, God, why did I do that? Why did I ask for more? <laughs> Help. I, um, I used to have to trust God for my family's support as a missionary. And then I started Community Hope School. And that was good. We got 10 kids, and somebody gave us $25,000 that first year. Wow, that was amazing. In fact, I was making a pot like this in a church. And we had just started Community Hope. And afterwards, a guy came up, it was at a missions conference, came up and said to me, I'll give you $25 for that pot. I said, well, I've got some finished ones over on the table, and they cost a little more, but you can have one of those. He goes, nope, I want to show it to my foundation. It was in Dallas, Texas. And I said, your foundation? He said, yeah, and you can give that $25,000 check to the charity of your choice. I went, oh. We were very careful with this pot that I just made. (laughs) We actually got it finished and fired and gave it to him. His name was Leroy. I've been asking him for money ever since and never gotten any. You know, you can't just, God puts things on people's hearts. And uh, years ago, how many of you are homeschooling? Anybody here homeschoolers? There you go. I just want to give you homeschoolers an encouragement. I homeschooled my son, who's the head of internal medicine and physiology at the University of Namibia. Now, that's cool. When people say, how do you know this education thing that you're doing at Community Hope Works? I go, well, let me introduce you to Professor Hunter. See, Because I homeschooled him for years. And uh, I'm not sure why he learned anything, but he did. He complains about his education. I say, yeah, well, you look like you did pretty good for yourself, boy. He is presently the lowest paid cardiologist in the world. (laughs) So they're not going to get rich, but they are going to do good things. And he's uh, graduated three or four classes of, of medical students and the first medical school in Namibia. In fact, you can look it up online. There's even a a video that they made about it. 
stretching you. You know, stretching hurts. How many of you God has been stretching you, giving you more to do, giving you greater responsibility? What about you, Mike? Has God been stretching you lately? <laughs> you know, I uh, I went in for a checkup the other day, and they they measured me. Right? Well, I weigh about the same, but I'm shorter. I'm an inch and a half shorter than I was when I met Rainbow. That's a lot shorter. And I thought, oh, I'm shrinking. I better let God, but maybe God's going to stretch me. I don't know. I'll start gaining weight. What kind of pot are you? These look different when I have my tools with me. <laughs> I thought, okay, well, I could do this without, really without any tools. But if Jesus was a pot, what kind of pot would he have been? A nice vase to set on the shelf and look at and admire. We all just get down and worship and say, holy, holy, holy. You know, Jesus was a working man. He got his hands dirty every day, and he was busy making stuff. He was a carpenter. may have been a, a bricklayer. There's con a bit of confusion about what the words mean. And so he, but he, and I don't know if you've ever laid bricks but, or, you know, used a hammer much, but I, my hands look, my hands never look good. They are always dirty and calloused or, or got cracks in the knuckles, and so I'm pretty sure that Jesus would have been one of these. He would have been what we call in Namibia a jug or a pitcher. And uh, these have an obvious purpose, don't they? You don't wonder what's that for. You can look at it and go, oh, that's a serving vessel, right? And you don't drink out of them, at least you're not supposed to, guys. And, uh, you know, in the fridge, oh, that's the pitcher with the orange juice in it. You pick it up and you take the top off and you drink out of it. You're supposed to put it in a cup, all right? Your wives all told me to tell you that. And uh, what Jesus said about himself, he said, the Son of Man didn't come to be served, and he deserved to be served. He was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. He didn't come to be served. He said, I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And that's what God has called us to today. We here at The Rock are called to let God take us and pour his love into us. That's why we come to church. We come to church to experience God's love and to get filled up full of God's word the water of his spirit, the oil of his holiness, and the wine of his love. And then he wants to take all that, and he wants to throw us out into that world out there, and he wants to pour that love, that wine, and that milk, and the water, and the oil out into the lives of the people around us that need healing, and need love, and they need comfort, they need caring, they need to see and taste the truth. The Bible says, oh, taste and see 
that the Lord is good. And how are they going to know? How are they going to know in today's mixed up, screwed up world that God is good unless they can see it and taste it in your life? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this uh, body of believers here that are here to serve you and to worship you. But Lord, so much to take your goodness and your love and to demonstrate it in their daily lives, at school, at work, at home, um, at, on the golf course, everywhere we go, Lord, that people would see who you are. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Mike? <laughs> well, we're going to sell this one for 20. We're going to auction it. We're starting at 25000 <laughs> When somebody asked me, say, well, how much do you sell your pottery for? I just love this. I go, well, I sold one piece for twenty-five grand. <laughs> anyway. You guys enjoy that? Can you give my hand. Oh, look, oh. another servant. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> let's just let's just do this. Let's just spend a minute. We're going to close it out here. We're not we're not meeting at tables tonight. We've got the youth that has taken over the church tonight um, with. Uh, saw you at the at the poll. So, uh, but before we leave, let's just, I just want to take a minute here. So if we can just, yeah, kind of do some worship. And um, one thing I want to do, I just feel like, and I'll, I'll invite you up in a minute, but if there's someone that, as, as John was talking here, and you have never received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, some of the things he was saying, you're not really sure what he's talking about, or maybe you know what he's talking about, but you just haven't taken that step. I don't want you guys to walk out of here without it, at least without having that opportunity to just to come to him and say, yeah, I want to, talking about Lord of your life and Jesus being actually on the inside of you, it changes everything. And so before you leave tonight, I'll tell you what, if you'd come up and see me uh, or you can see Pastor JR, who's right here, um, Pastor Jim, who's over here, or John, who's up here, just to see one of us uh, and just to talk with one of us. And we just want to kind of walk you through just something that's going to change your life forever. So that's number one. Two, can we just stand up? Let's just do this. We are vessels of the Lord, and he molds us, he changes us, he is stretching us, he's, he's doing things in our lives, and uh, we, can either, we can either kind of push back, or we can allow him to do these things in our lives, and as we do, 
he does this stuff for good works so that we can do the things that he's called us to do in this season. And there's every person in here has a purpose on this earth. There's things that God has for each of us to do. A destiny. And it's exciting. It's a it's a it's an opportunity to step into the fullness of what he's called us to be. And each of us, as John has you know, he made the this really cool <laughs> picture. But we all have a certain purpose. We all serve a purpose. And when we begin to to know the purpose that we serve and operate in that capacity, and we're not all, we don't all look like that. We're all a little different. God makes us all a little different. He's the potter. But uh, when we begin to understand our what we're supposed to do on this earth, it becomes a lot better. It's... <laughs> It's kind of freeing, and you're like, oh, this is what I'm here for. This is what God designed me for. So here's what I want to do. We're going to just go into worship for a second, and I just want you to, to just ask God, God, what have, what have you designed me for? What is my purpose? What is my calling? What, is, what are you calling me into? And even in this season, what are, you, what are you calling me into? So can we do that? We just just take a minute here. I think this is really good just to, to allow God just to speak to our hearts. And just, if you ask him, as you ask him, he will begin to speak to you. And it's not, it may not be in words, and so a lot of us go, I didn't really hear anything. But a lot of times it's just something just that you begin to feel just on the inside. It's just an impression that you get. You're like, oh, that's it. So you're going to, you're going to, you're going to sense something, you're going to hear something, you're going to feel something. So just, let's do it. Let's worship. And I will give.
For we do not preach ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, and ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, made his light shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Then it says, we have this treasure but we have it in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power, it's from God. It's not from us. We're hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Father, I just pray for everyone here. Lord, I thank you for the treasure that we hold on the inside of us. Lord, that as we release this power that is from God and it is not from us, 
Lord, I thank you that we reflect the glory of the Lord. But it's not who we are, it's who the Father is. And so, Lord, I pray that as we leave from this place, Lord, that we would, knowing that we are jars of clay, but we would know the treasure that we hold on the inside of us and that we reflect the glory of the Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I want to do is if, if, if there's anyone who just wants prayer, uh, if you need healing, if you're just struggling with anything, uh, just come up. And uh, I just feel like there's just an anointing just to release healing, to release if there's anxiety, if there's things going on in your life, just receive that. There's, I think, the, all the potteries, potteries back there, right? Potteries back over here. So if, um, and there are buckets in the back. We want to we wanna bless John and Suzanne and the ministry that they have. And so if you feel led to just uh, support them, you can write a check out to The Rock uh, and, uh, and everything that goes in there will just go to bless John and Suzanne and the ministry that they have in, in Namibia. <laughs> Namibia. Um, so we're going to just pray for anyone who wants to come up. And then in just a few minutes, we're going to play a video as well uh, just of, of, the, uh, of the school that they have over in Namibia. And so you can find out uh, more about that. So, but I just want to give anyone an opportunity to receive prayer before we do that. So love you guys. Have a blessed night. We'll see you.